0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app. Log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more. Go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest.
1: Welcome back, guys. GGS on Cameo Wax, a few minutes past 2 p.m. So, we initially booked Michael Kelly from Hancock and Kelly to talk about the uh, UAW strike, which we'll probably get into as well. But in the meantime, Hunter Biden has been indicted on gun charges, in essence, he uh, was using narcotics, he was addicted to drugs, and he lied on the federal forum when you go to buy a gun, uh, saying that he was not, and that was a part of the plea deal. Then that plea deal fell apart, and then people on the right were, were screaming and yelling and saying two tears of justice, and it was a sweetheart deal. So uh, now he has been indicted. We had Chet Pleban on, who's a, a you know, top three defense attorney in St. Louis, who said this is very, very serious. Serious and not that difficult to prove because if you certainly know whether you're using drugs, and uh, just from the stuff that we know about Hunter Biden, he probably was, and it'd probably be pretty easy to prove. And so he's facing up to 10 years in real prison. So here's the other wrinkle it's a federal offense. So his dad, I believe could pardon him now because you can be pardoned for things you haven't been convicted of, like all the people who went to Trump after January 6th and said, hey, give me a pardon just in case uh, I get charged with something. Uh, Donald Trump uh, wants to be president. For many reasons, but one of them is so he can pardon himself. Uh, So we're in this weird time right now. I mean, we're in a simulation, so who cares? But we're (laughs) in this weird time where the last president is under indictment, facing a thousand years in prison. That's not hyperbole and uh, could, could be in a position to pardon himself. And the current president's son has been uh, charged federally, facing 10 years in federal prison, and he will be faced with the decision, do I pardon him? Do I continue running? Do I drop out? Uh, Just so many questions. None of them make us look very good as a country. Uh, Michael, just talk to me about this.
2: Well, number one, I don't really care about Hunter Biden. And I would gather to think that most Democrats uh, don't care about Hunter Biden. Uh, And it sounds as though he's violated the law. Uh, It sure smells like he violated the law. Um, And if they prove that in court, I hope they put him in jail. Um, I understand that to most people, uh, you know, who watch a couple of networks, you know, Hunter Biden is the biggest deal in the world. I don't think that. I think he's just kind of a, drug addicted son of the president who's been trying to freeload off of his dad for a long time. Uh, And the Piper's coming uh, to be paid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that, you know, uh, in terms of what his father's going to do, I don't think his father's going to do anything for him between now and election day. That's for sure. Uh, Whether he chooses to pardon him or not, I don't know. I'd probably pardon my own kid. Um, But um, that would, uh, that would be a question that will come well after, the November election of next year. So I think most people, and particularly Democrats, we don't really care about Hunter Biden. It sounds like he's a bad dude and he ought to be held accountable. That's not the kind of the behavior that we're seeing from Republicans when it comes to, uh, you know, the kids of, of Donald Trump, but that's a whole nother story.
0: Michael, you said that Democrats don't seem to care and it looks like the polls agree with you, but what do you think about swing voters? How are they looking at this situation?
2: Well, I mean, it's not good, um, but, you know, first I'd like to meet a swing voter. I'd like to meet one of these people who hasn't decided between, uh, you know, Donald Trump or Joe uh, Biden. I just wonder if they even have a pulse. Um, It could be problematic, particularly in the suburbs. But, man, there's a lot of football to be played here, guys. And, you know, during those quarters of football between the election, between now and the election, former president's going to be on the stand for, uh, you know, his four different indictments. I don't know. Uh, Dave, you summed it up perfectly when you said that it's just such a strange time and it doesn't make us look good. It doesn't feel good. I mean, I don't even like the fact that we're sliding into the 2024 election and we're going to have an election between the current president of the United States, which we can all see has compromised faculties. Uh, is clearly not uh, the same person he was even two years ago. And another than the former president who, you know, led an insurrection and is facing four indictments. I just feel icky about everything that's going on in our country.
1: Michael, to that end, you are literally in the business where you are in the back rooms a lot of times when things are being done and handled and the big wigs are trying to decide... What they're going to do. We know what the right's going to do. I mean, the Republicans are already starting, and every night on cable news and every Republican radio station is going to be scorched earth on this thing. Do you think that the Democrats who really don't want Joe Biden to run because of his age and because of the way that he has regressed mentally, do you think this is an opportunity for them to step in and go, okay, Joe, for real? we need to get Gavin Newsom or Hakeem Jeffries or whoever in there.
2: Yeah. So excellent question. I don't know that this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, I think that it's, you know, been coming for a while. I, totally unrelated, but I, you know, my little spidey sense thinks that it might be related. You saw that Mitt Romney announced yesterday that he's not running for real yeah. And in his announcement, he went to great uh, pains to one, say, I'd be 80 years old. That's too old. Mm-hmm. And then two, to go out and criticize both the current president and the former president. I wonder if we're about to see the start of a, an organized effort that could be bipartisan, that's really just going to be no Biden, no Trump. Um, and, you know, I appreciated what Mitt Romney had to say the other day. Um, but, I mean, he went to great pains to make it about both of them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're going to see more of that. Yeah. In terms of getting into a room and dealing with the, you know, uh, those days are long gone. Um, in terms of, you know, smoke-filled rooms with party bosses that could make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just uh, those days are long gone. And I think that, you know, Joe Biden is the only one who's going to be able to make this decision. But I-, I think any Democrat who looks at you in the eye and tells you they're not worried about the fact that the f- the current president uh, is running for reelect and everything's going swimmingly
1: yeah. is
2: lying to you.
1: So, uh, OK, Michael, I-, I-, I think you'll get this analogy. Remember when we were kids? And we would be like at somebody's house, and we're in the basement, we're jackassing around, and we're screaming and yelling, and then a lamp gets broken, and the door comes flying open, and a dad walks in, and then he lays down the law, and everyone starts flying straight. Are there any dads on the left sure. or the right who can step in, whether that be a billionaire mega donor or someone who we don't, the Illuminati? I mean, I know we're dealing with presidents here, but is there anyone who can open that basement door and go, yeah. Hunter, you get. You- Excellent.
2: Excellent question, Dave. And uh, the, on the right, I don't know that that exists. Um, if that fire alarm hasn't been pulled or that lamp hasn't been broken yet, where there could be an adult that would come in the room. Uh, you know, I don't think there is an adult, uh, and I think that's one of the biggest problems the Republicans face. Undoubtedly, uh, Barack Obama is that voice on the on the left. Ah. Uh, could he be the person that goes to Joe and say, hey, Joe, this isn't working? Um, potentially, yes. He has most of his former staff are playing some type of a role in the current administration, hence the reason I think things are, you know, the the, the ship is still moving as opposed to, when pr- trump was there and it was in chaos uh i you know i i think that that man probably could play a role i bl- i still believe to this day his invisible hand played a role in uh james Clyborne endorsing uh mm-hmm. the president down in the georgia primary or the south carolina primaries mm-hmm. and helping him win and then it was over with so uh you know if if barack obama is a genie or a fairy i hope he comes mm-hmm. and pops out of that bottle soon and makes this thing happen because it's uh it's very unsettling
1: so uh you are very involved with labor and uh as your dad was and the uaw Uh strike uh not unprecedented but very very rare how close are we and what are the ramifications if they actually do strike well we're
2: within uh hours of them potentially striking and i can't blame them dave uh and this is a situation that corporate america has made for themselves And I encourage you all to think back just a couple of weeks ago when we watched this go down with UPS. Uh, For the longest time, particularly in the auto industry, we've watched the corporations come and say, hey, we can't make raises, we're going to have to take jobs to Mexico. If we do, we're going to have to go chase the cheapest labor, et cetera, et cetera. And they've done that for over a decade. Wages have stayed flat for auto workers for 10 years. What's happened in those 10 years? Well, the auto companies's got billions upon billions upon billions of our tax dollars. Also, what's happened during that time is we've seen CEO pay go up and rise, rise for the, uh, the, all the folks at the top of the thing, the chart. So now these guys who, women and women who've been sitting out there for 10 years have been you yeah. know they watch TMZ, they watch regular news, they see everybody getting rich, yet they've been taking one for the team. Uh, And they've had enough, and I I can't blame them. And it can't be a better time for workers, because they, in the past, labor's always had the voice of fellow people who were out there uh, taking their showers after work before they go, you know, after work Mm -hmm. rather than before. Mm -hmm. But now we're starting to see middle management take it in the shorts. Mm -hmm. We're watching some of the large corporations continue to pay the folks at the top more. Plead that they can't afford to do this. We can't afford wages, et cetera, et cetera. The the labor cost of building a car is minuscule in compared to what they are spending on everything else, uh, including uh, importing of uh, materials, uh, advertisements, et cetera. And so I think the workers just had enough. And I don't think that this is the end of what we're going to see in terms of workers standing up. The Teamsters laid the foundation with UPS. They were successful. I think that these, the the auto workers will be successful with the big three and anybody who's in manufacturing and particularly anybody who's gotten money, taxpayer dollars over the last several years, they're going to be facing job actions and they're going to have the support of everyday Americans because we've all gotten hosed by everybody of these big companies.
1: Interesting. Uh, That's uh, our buddy, Michael Kelly from Hancock and Kelly. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it.
2: Hey, good to talk to you guys. See you tomorrow.
3: It's... It's super interesting too that even though the automakers are making fewer cars and selling fewer cars, profits are way up.
1: Hey, what about that? I always forget you're from Detroit. Yeah,
3: um, I hope I mean a bunch of my family.
1: Like, how does this hit you? Not not like, are you for or are you against? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, how big of a deal? Like, they go on strike. It's huge.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, so I grew up in suburban Detroit, and I don't know what the percentage is but a huge percentage of people are tied into this. So you've got the auto workers, right? You've got the UAW workers that are the actual people going on on strike. You also have all of the other vendors that work with the automakers. So you've got, and I've got family members in those things too, suppliers uh, who are supplying steel, who are supplying electronic parts, who are supplying things that go into tires. Now they're not all in Michigan, but quite a few are. And a lot of those states that are really heavy in the automotive industry, it isn't just going to be the auto, the United Auto Workers that get hit. Big ripples. It's going to be everywhere. Because if you think about the populations of, of Michigan, Ohio, Tennessee is really big in auto manufacturing. Although um, it's a little more diverse. It's not just the big three. But you think about what other industries are going to get hit. What are people not going to spend money on while they are on strike and not making a salary? All kinds of things. Yeah, Entertainment's going to drop off. People attending sporting events are gonna drop off.
1: I've been a little surprised at how uh, seemingly unmoved the entertainment business has been by the SAG After Strike yeah. and the Writers Guild. Um uh, the the Teamsters and UPS went pretty quick yep. for obvious reasons. Yep. I would think this one would be closer to that yeah. than to the Netflix. Well, stuff. it's just it's more real
3: impact on other businesses. Right. And that's where some of the pressure is gonna come in. With UPS, if they're on strike, they don't have enough bodies because they were gonna have management out driving trucks instead yeah. of the drivers not. Well, you don't have enough. You don't have enough people in management to do that. So they're you're not gonna deliver everything. Well, think about how many massive clients you have if you're somebody like UPS. You literally are delivering
1: millions like, of packages. We talk to Skip Weber every week. Hey, how's it going? And and we live through COVID with them. The whole auto manufacturing and auto sales industry changed during COVID and they're just now kind of coming back and getting a little yeah. bit of a foothold into normalcy. This would just be devastating.
3: You would think it would be a big punch in the face. Yeah. for Because if you're, if you're not making cars, you can't sell them. I mean, I think yeah, if you uh, already don't have enough cars and the bigger, the industry. And when we talked about this a lot with uh, the trucking companies too, the bigger, the industry, the more it impacts multiple industries, the more difficult it is for it to last too long.
1: This is a couple of talk show hosts telling you this, not a couple of lawyers. But Wheels was looking at the federal guidelines on this Hunter Biden crime. And if you go to uh, uh, to apply for a, a gun that uh, you can't be on drugs and and are like, OK, we all get that. But I'm like, well, what about pot? And Wheeler's like, well, that's probably okay because it's legal, but then it's it's still federally yeah. Uh, illegal. Yeah, I, and yeah. so so possibly, and if someone knows this, like if a, a gun store owner or something, that if someone uh, legally, recreationally, or medically uh, in the state of Missouri uses gummies or smokes weed or whatever it is, and you're perfectly legal in the state of Missouri, but you go to buy a gun and they say do you use pot, on a, you know, whatever the wording is, and you do and you say no, then you could be...
3: You've just committed this you've crime. You've just
1: committed this crime.
3: Yeah, so I'm just looking at the ATF's document. This is the application itself. It's the application for a federal firearms license. And it says, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? And then under that, in big, bold letters, it says, warning... The use of or possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it's been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. So, you're this is a federal application, which means under federal law, you cannot use marijuana recreationally. So, and, if you and get this,
1: get the license legally. Yeah. in the state of Missouri, you can't buy. A gun.
3: That's what this reads, unless I'm misreading. But that seemed pretty clear, didn't it? Says marijuana use remains unlawful under federal it law. It would certainly
1: make me nervous to say no.
3: Well, and if you said no, you're you're lying. You're lying on this application. And if you say yes, they're gonna they're probably gonna. I, my understanding of that language is they will reject you. You will not get the uh, firearms, the federal firearms license.
1: That, I mean, that's how. How, did, how, it, how does did it, it get crazier? Could it read any other way? Yesterday, we had aliens with embryos in their eggs. How did today get crazier? What a time to be a talk show host. I don't even know why I show prep. Man, what a day. So, uh, Andrew in the control booth doing a great job. We put together a little impromptu. Think Tank at 4 p.m., just about the Hunter Biden deal with uh, attorney Brad Young and former state senator Jeff Smith. Correct. Great. Um, And we've just kind of been doing our own uh, research here because uh, I sounds bad when you say it that way. Yeah, it does. We're doing our own research. I said, uh, we're making stuff up. I'm I'm actually reading articles. (laughs) Um, But I said, well. This doesn't apply to like pot, right? We're talking about heroin and crank and all stuff like this. But it does the best we can tell. And then Wheels found a story uh, uh, on Fox 2 that was citing another story saying you got to choose that that if you are a marijuana user, even if it's legal in your state and a gun owner, you're violating a law federal law. And I bet you there are Thousands of people out there listening right now who both own a gun and use pot legally. And that's really scary because before today, I would have never thought twice about it. Yeah.
3: I mean, if you're thinking about there's 23 states where marijuana use is legal. So we're talking, we have to be talking about millions of gun owners. Yeah. You have to be just by the odds of it. So this is a, the story is, is out of a news station in Virginia Uh, But it's talking to a lawyer who used to be a prosecutor. Yeah. And his name is Billy Jackson. And he said, and he says, if you're a a normal, everyday Virginian who uses marijuana regularly. Now, that's the key word is regularly. If you do it once, that's not going to be the problem. It's if you are a regular user. Uh, He said, but if you're doing that either lawfully or unlawfully, it doesn't matter. Says you cannot possess a firearm because under federal law, as you point out, it is still illegal to even possess marijuana. So, so if
1: you possess a gun and marijuana.
3: That you are committing a crime according to this lawyer and based on what we read in that application. I yeah. mean, right on the application, it very much says, yeah. in a, right after it asks you if you're using any of these things, hey, reminder, even if pot's legal in your state, uh, it's not federally legal and this is a federal
1: application. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> I
0: gotta go take care of some
1: stuff. I gotta go call Jay Greenberg. Um, Eric used to work at a gun store. He can uh, shed some light on this. Hey, Eric.
4: Hey, uh, Glover Show. So, yes, um, uh, pretty much everything you're saying is accurate. If you walk into a gun store, you start filling out the 4473, which is the, the ATF form. Um, there's a variety of questions. Um, all of those questions you're supposed to answer um a certain way um i'm not gonna help anybody cheat I
1: gotcha. but uh
4: um that was the first part of the background check so whenever you filled out that 4473 i would go through that and then if you didn't answer those questions correctly that was it we we stopped i didn't call the atf i didn't run your background check we were done i didn't sell you a gun if you tried to come back in it, it was over um but uh now with with Illinois, um, having legalized marijuana and Missouri, Mm -hmm. people would come in and they would try, they would, they would know the questions that they had to answer correctly. And then they would try to use their, uh, marijuana ID card as a legal form of identification. And that was, that was a big no, no. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: So,
4: but I believe there is a court case right now that is uh, going through, and it may have already, they may have already reached a judgment that said marijuana users cannot be, or you you, you cannot be uh, withheld from having a firearm uh, because you're a marijuana user. Um, yeah. So I I think that is starting to change, um, but I don't know if that's a state thing or if that's, okay. but as far as, as far as a gun show or a gun store goes, yeah. We follow the federal laws. Yes. So even Missouri has its laws that says um, the the Second Amendment Preservation Act. Missouri doesn't license gun stores. The, the ATF does. So they are the ones who are going to make the rules, enforce the rules, and they're the ones that are going to pull your license when you're not following the
1: rules. Good information. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, hmm. that's, I mean, yeah, someone tell us, right? Because I'll tell you this, this seems like uh, – An interesting topic for conservatives, because I know a lot of conservatives who use pot legally uh, and a lot of conservatives who are very pro Second Amendment. And so what you're kind of saying is if you use pot and again, what's regular once a week, once a day. But whatever regular is that, if you use pot regularly, you don't have the right to defend yourself with a gun. That's the way I would argue it if I were a conservative Mm -hmm. or don't even have to be a conservative to argue it that way. Uh, It's just why don't I have the right to possess a gun and protect myself if I am legally using this substance in my state? Now, I get why, because federal Trump's state, but it puts a lot of people in a real conundrum.
3: It's amazing. Now,
1: I think it's going to change. No, We should ask. Yeah our next guest if there's anybody toting a gun using drugs it's Ricky Horton <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so
0: sure I'm uh, sure Ricky the outlaw
1: Horton is look this way yeah, That's funny <laughs> there,
3: uh, apparently the, the I'm look I'm trying to follow up on what our caller just said because yeah. he said there was a case being pushed through and they're actually according to this story that it's uh, I'm, I don't know the source real quick but it was it's citing a couple of district cases federal district judges that have cited a case that the, the marijuana provision pertaining to gun owners might be unconstitutional. So, I mean, again, I think that it's going to yes. change. And if it and, and I like we were talking about it during the break, I'm sure it's the thing that they're not like investigating for this. Yeah,
1: I doubt people are chasing these people down. I think
3: it's gonna it's an it's a thing that if they find it while you're being investigated for something else, it's going to be a charge that's added right. on to you. I can't imagine that they've got the resources to be like sniffing this out all the time.
1: Well, I mean, just think about it. It's to my knowledge legal for me to drive home tonight with a gun on in, in my possession. It's also legal for me to stop at a dispensary and buy marijuana and continue driving home. But if I get pulled over and I have a legal bag of some type of marijuana from a dispensary legally purchased and legally possessed, and I say to the officer who pulls me over, officer, I just want to let you know that I have a gun in my possession, which I would do because I I don't want anything going hinky. Right. They could go, oh, God, (laughs) let me call the feds. I mean, they're probably not going to, but I would technically be in violation of federal law. Yeah.
3: I wouldn't imagine that's something that
1: I never would have thought of that before Hunter Biden today.
3: Yeah. And I wonder if that's also when it comes to local authorities where that Second Amendment Protection Act comes in. Yeah. Uh, We call it SAPA. Is that what they call it? That that may be where it comes in here, where that scenario you just described, they're not allowed to enforce that law. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, again, I'm just, I'm, I, I I should know that better, but um, I don't use marijuana regularly. And I mean, I think I've done it once and uh was half a gummy and mm-hmm. I don't own a gun. So I, I would never even have thought any of this. Right,
1: right. Same for me. Um, Yeah, he was kind of high road in
3: there. No, no. Yeah, he really
1: dunked, didn't he? I was super ignorant. No, it's not a high. If I was on the high road, I would be on the other side. Uh, I remember that day you did the half a gummy. He ran around this place in a diaper. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I'm going to go get my gun. No, no, that was the the day before in anticipation of. (laughs) Now I remember.
3: Oh, Lord. (laughs) But I I just I would have never connected those two
1: things. Yeah. That affects millions of people out there. All right. Quick break. Right back. DGS. 249 DGS. Time to talk to Ricky Horton. Hey, Rick. Hey, Dave. How are you? Good, buddy. So one of my favorite sayings, I use this all the time with the guys, is it's so much easier to be great now and then than to be good every day. And the Cardinals mm. have been great. Uh, what six and three or something like that on on yeah, this last I, trip? Their problem this year is they just couldn't be good every day.
5: Boy, I think that's a great statement. And by the way, I, did anybody ever, anywhere have six and three on the uh, Cardinal <laughs> Bingo road trip game? I mean, no one had that space, <laughs> and I mean it was crazy. I mean, it was really fun to be a part of that. And uh, you know, I I do think there is a. Uh, I think your point about baseball is, is actually kind of true because we think about some teams. That have superstars. Let's take the Angels. They have Otani and Trout, and can't be good. I mean, what? Why is yeah. that? Well, you need to be you need to have a lot of people who are good, more than a few people who are great, that's and right. then you need to play good uh, all year long. And I think that's that's what the winning teams do, and I think that's what the uh, that the Orioles are doing. I, honestly, when I when I saw the Orioles, I thought the Cardinals match up with these guys pretty well. Why do they win? Well, they're just good all the time. Yeah,
3: pretty crazy. Great, great by the way to see. Everything come together last night. Waino gets one ninety nine. He's got yeah. three starts to get to two hundred. And to put that into perspective, right? I, I, if I if I'm remembering this correctly, he would be the one hundred twenty second pitcher of all time to get to two hundred wins, which puts him in the top one percent of of pitchers all time.
5: I I was with a pitcher Jerry Royce who actually grew up in St. Louis, and I was playing with him with the uh, with the White Sox. But he was a longtime Dodger, and yep. I was with him with the White Sox when he won his 200th game. And after uh, he won that 200th game in the clubhouse, I came up to him and I said, Jerry, this is a big deal. This is be this is something you can tell your grandkids about someday. And I said, in fact, why don't you get him on the phone right now? <laughs> which which kind of made him mad. <laughs> <That's pretty laughs> funny. I, was, I was kind of, and it became a national story that I kind of dogged him in his his two hundredth win. So so I kind of feel a little bit uh, bad uh, about that, but that's the impish me at work. But so but two hundred is a big deal. It is, and it was for Jerry back then, and it, and it will be for Adam. And uh, you know, it's interesting that Adam won his two hundredth. And Drew Rahm won his first. I mean, it's just an interesting kind of juxtaposition of, of, of those two things. So,
1: Ricky, you know how uh, I'll hear all the time, like, well, uh, like with, with Yachty and Waino, like, well, that will never be broken. That record will stand yeah. forever. Uh, will it be easier, in your opinion, or more difficult, in your opinion, in the future as we go on for pitchers to be 20-game winners in a season or 200-game winners in their career?
5: Much harder going forward. I think it's much harder now. It's much harder to win 200 games, or I mean, 300 is going to seem like crazy. You know, you look at the uh, at the baseball history, and you've got Cy Young winning whatever he won, 500 or 600, and you think, how in the world did he do that? Well, you know, he made 70 starts a year, and yeah. they, what what was that game like? For goodness sakes, to be able to make 70 starts a year. But I think we've gotten to the point where guys are, are pitchers are being. I uh, talked to throw max effort and I just think he just can't go as deep. And, and the idea of, of, of winning that many games and, and, yeah, you know, it's just, and honestly, wins aren't as important. I think in, in the baseball world right yeah. now, it's hard to say that as a, as a veteran guy, but I think that's a fact.
3: No, it's, it, it is. And it's fair in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it does tell you something, right? A win does tell yeah. you something about a guy. Yeah. It may not tell yeah. you everything about it, but it does tell you something. Yeah. And you look at Justin Verlander, who's at two fifty five, So he's the active leader. He looks like he's got at least another year or two in him after this year because he's going pretty well right now. But, you know, let's say he gets to 275. There's nobody active that's going to come close to that. I mean, the next closest is Granke, who's retiring. And then after that, it's Max Scherzer, who's at 214, Mm -hmm. and he's almost 40, or he is 40. And I only think, Rick, the only chance that this changes is if that philosophy changes with pitching and we go backwards, right. right?
5: Well, uh, yeah, well, and, and I guess there'd be some people, Kevin, as you know, and it's the, it's the great debate that's going on right now. Is that backwards or is it is it back in the right direction? I guess that's yeah. the question. I would I say mean, it's I mean, back in so, the right direction. Yeah, well, and, and, there, and there, I would say maybe a, you know, kind of a uh, – just a you know kind of a a, a thing that maybe you're not going you, you went too far one way now you're going back the other way yes. kind of an adjustment yes. I guess I think that's really where we are and I think that might happen but I think still winning 300 games is is tough the gruel of a season all that stuff is, is I just don't think you're going to see that much and you know to see you know players playing as long as as they as they played in past years I'm not sure that's going to happen to have a guy with one team is like the way Molina did the way mm-hmm. Wainwright has done. Uh, That may be a thing of the past, too.
1: So, Rick, uh, now that I've reengaged with baseball and I played, but I was never a student of the game. Now that I've reengaged and I get kind of the idea, you look for your starter to go five or six then you have your middle guy, then you have the closer, blah, blah, blah. Is that the same basic setup as when you were playing or is it is it pretty different as far as what you expected out of each role?
5: Yeah, I think it's basic, but but I think that the the inning where you engage the second or engage the bullpen is different. It's not the it's not the fifth inning; it's the seventh inning. So so that, I think that's where the the issue is. And you know, in my era, and you know, and not when I played conversation, but the reality is, we had ten pitchers. Now they have thirteen, and and they have a hard time finding guys to pitch. You know, a, a day on, on a daily basis where we just pitched every day. It was a, it's just a different game. And the and the reality is, you know, when John Tudor pitched or when Bob Gibson, Gibson pitched, they went 9 innings. Bob Gibson threw 81 innings in 9 World Series games. Do the math. That's a lot of that's a lot of innings per game. So, you know, that's that's kind of the uh, the reality of the difference for between where we were and where we are. So, I think the philosophy is still the same. I think we've just engaged the bullpen quicker because you've got more guys with big arms.
1: All right, Rick, welcome home and uh we'll be talking to you next week. Thanks. You bet, guys. Good to visit. I have some
0: soul